Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Longest-running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests, and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine, and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. Hello everybody and welcome to a very special Midweek Motorsport. It is that time of the year when we look back on the motorsport season that is just finished. 2016 has been an extraordinarily brilliant year of motorsport. The quality has run right through it, uh, not least of course in our favourite area of endurance racing. This is the Midweek Motorsport 2016 Awards and up in London, and I, might I say, from that wave camera, rocking that light blue uh, dinner suit with the ruffles. Tim Gray is our executive producer tonight. You're looking very very special tonight, Tim. Thank you, very John. Uh, you and Nick in your matching gold lame uh, numbers <laughs> equally. You, know, you would have thought that would have clashed, wouldn't you? But, I, 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 Nick, I don't think so. I think it works, don't you? We're divided by a few miles, so the fact that I've gone for the slightly upmarket one with the the mirrored effect lame, it uh, it, it would be a bit, a bit dazzling. But uh, what I'm particularly pleased about is my my exceptionally uh, quality stack heel shoes as well. Uh, what I'm not, I'm not sure, so sure about, about the earring. No. Well, well you know, I, 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 I was there. told it was a pirate theme. <laughs> Are uh, <laughs> now da- down in the uh, uh, DSCHQ is Greg Goodman. And uh, I, I have to say, Graham, not sure about the leather DJ. Does that not chafe a bit? No, mate, I've, I've decided to bin that. In fact, I'm feeling a slightly underdressed in my Warrington Rugby League away kit. Oh, is that what that colour is? It is. Very, very I've interesting. I've only got him in black and white. Uh, I was expecting him to be in orange. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, t- what is the format of tonight's... Before any more silliness gets on. What's the format of tonight's show, Tim? We will have... Uh, Quite a lot of the usual features tonight, oh, really? uh, interspersed with the uh, awards element of tonight. The hashtag, if you want to talk about and tweet about tonight's show, is as always hashtag MOTY. Uh, yes. Previously, that's been Man of the Year, but this year, obviously, we're going away from the whole gender thing. Uh, so, I've been looking for suitable words to replace man. Right. And we've come up with Mammetry of the Year, which I think Mammetry. is a perfect uh, description of what okay. uh, what we're doing. And Graham, as a uh, professional uh, words man, you'll know words exactly what uh, Mammetry is. It's a small alpine mammal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a marmot. Sorry, that's, that's a marmotry. Marmotry. Yeah, that's different. Mm. That's all different. Anyway... Let's let's mammetry is defined on. as uh, collective idolatry, Ooh, and that is exactly good. what exactly these what awards are about. 
yes, uh, they're voted true. for by the collective and they are uh, the people that they've been idolising over the course of the last year in the yes, seven so categories, good. six chosen by Graham, Nick, John and Marshall, those being Car of the Year, Team of the Year, Race of the Year, Driver, Young Driver and Non-Driver of the Year, and one uh, which was selected from nominations by our listeners, which is, of course, the I Respect Listener Award. And we'll be revealing the results of those at roughly 15-minute intervals throughout the show okay. tonight, starting in now 11 minutes' time with our first category, Car of the Year. Voting closed on this uh, just over 24 hours ago. Some of them are very, very close, and some of them not at all close. Some of them would have a runaway winner. Well, we have yeah, had a couple of my nominations. Well, almost certainly. We have had a few people um, who have taken up uh, and tweeted their own uh, nominations, which I have no issue with, and uh, even various car manufacturers have got in the spirit of it, which is very good. Ford Ford were very uh, proactive. Proactive. Um, And Andy Prio, I know, uh, was uh, encouraging people to vote for Ford in the car of the year category. We shall see how they got on. Guys, I think the sandwich boards in the barbering paddock were just a bit of overkill for Monday. Do you think so? (laughs) Yeah, just a touch. (laughs) Um, What have we got before we reveal that then? Have we got a bit of news? We have news of all sorts. Where would you like to start with the news? Well, surely that's that's down to you as our executive producer. You normally don't give us any... Well, uh, let's start with the jingle. Okay, let's have the jingle. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. Shuffle your papers, then what do you have? Well, Formula One. Right. I'm waiting for a reaction from Nick Damon. Oh, sorry, you you, you said World Formula One. Formula One... Hooray! But I thought you were going, well, seem, not where we're starting. It doesn't seem to have produced a lot of uh, decent stories this week. The two biggest Formula One stories on uh, uh, other news outlets seem to be stories that we've already covered. Firstly, uh, Zach Brown at McLaren, which I believe we discussed last week. Yes, we yep. did. And secondly, uh, the ending of the Malaysian Grand Prix, which we discussed last month. Yeah. And don't forget Marcus Ericsson signing for Stratus Alba, which we kind of discussed already about four times. Yes, uh, including thank goodness we didn't including discuss, in April. Yes, thank goodness we didn't uh, discuss um, Lewis Hamilton's dog and what he's going to be doing to that. Uh, but we, well, I'm sure we can discuss yeah. that later tonight. Okay. Really? Hmm. Well, we, we could do, have done that last week. I decided to talk a lot of those things anyway. Um, yeah, no. It's been, obviously, everyone is very, very, very excited about the uh, the showdown in in Abu Dhabi. And the duel in the desert. Yeah, the whatever. The desert. Yeah, it, it, it basically it's Lewis Hamilton versus Mercedes reliability um, because there's absolutely no point, way on actually. earth that uh, Rosberg's not going to finish on the on the podium if he doesn't have a, a mechanical problem. So. Um, and in many ways, that would be good for me, because obviously, don't forget, way back in round six of the championship, I said, there's no way he could be caught with it was that far ahead. And I've, I've been proven right, in a way. Yes. It hasn't been uh, quite the straight line uh, of uh, leading the points throughout the season, though, Nick, has it? And what will happen is that um, if, if what I expect to happen at the weekend is that uh, Lewis will win and... Um, 
Rosberg will come second, then all the uh, people will kind of whinge that Lewis should have won, uh, but it wasn't fair and reliability <sighs> and, and everything else. But it doesn't really matter because, you know, if you go back to, you know, as I think I said before, Jim Clark would have been world champion every year from 62 to 66 if, if reliability hadn't been uh, up to Swanee. So uh, that's what it's all about. And there's no asterisks to record books. And we'll all forget about it in three or four years' time. Um, and we'll, we'll look forward to hopefully a more competitive, more multi team competitive year next year. Yeah, I I agree with that, and I I I do not subscribe to seeing, you know, oh he didn't deserve the championship because he was a bit more lucky. I mean that the whole point of a championship is that it's spread out over a period of time, and over that period of time, um, you know, you are the best. It's like any league system, effectively, that you where you're scoring points. I, I'm, yeah. I'm I'm afraid I, I do not subscribe uh, to that, and I think that anybody who starts show me a world champion. show me yeah. show me a world champion who wasn't lucky or didn't have luck that year because you need to have luck to win these things. And, and, and ultimately, and ultimately, you could quite easily turn that on its head, Nick, as well. And say, um, well, if it had been different, maybe um, Rosberg would have driven differently. He knows what he's had to do, and in the last three or four races, he's done exactly what he needed to do. If he'd been 25 points yeah, behind, I, I, he may well have driven differently, but he wasn't, so he hasn't. Yeah. And so any sort oh. of, you know, ifs and ands is complete nonsense. Yeah, I think I think that you, you can certainly take the qualifying results as as they would have been. Um, yeah. because you don't need off in qualifying because you're but but beyond that in the race I'm sure there've been decisions to be made and I think certainly he he was hanging back in a couple of the races I think I think he, when you get to the the random race like Brazil I think it, he would I'm certain he was going as hard as he could because he knew there were so many things that could bite him but certainly in uh, I'm sure in both Mexico and, and the US he was very happy to be second and and carry on going but um, it doesn't matter it, at the end at, at the end of this weekend we will have a world champion who will. 97% likely be, be Nico Rosberg and he'd be our second son of a former world champion to win it and, and that's what the record books will show and, we will, and we'll go well that's great what I'm going to say is you've won 20 races 20, 19 races in a year and uh, let's hope that you only win 9 or 10 next year and someone else wins 9 or 10 and we have a very very close inter-team championship yeah can't disagree with that moving on Tim well let's go back to Sauber uh, we know Marcus Ericsson is going to be there next year who is going mm-hmm. to be lining up alongside him well, everyone was saying of Felipe Nazar, who currently has the role with Banco de Brazil. With Banco de Brazil are getting a bit tighter with the cash Um and therefore <laughs> um, it seems likely that he's no longer going to be there. And, and, and remarkably, they're now saying they might pick up Pascal Verline, who is, of course, a Mercedes contracted driver who is currently at Manor, who have a Mercedes engine, whereas, of course, Sauber next year are going to have a year-old Ferrari engine. But even so... They seem to think, or they, I mean, the tall Austrian, Toto Wolf, seems to think a better place for Pascal to go uh, would be Sauber than Manor, which, um, which is not the most uh, uh, pleasant thing for Manor to hear. And I mean, that if he does do that, the only Manor will have two seats available, and they will be available to the highest bidder. Uh, so look on eBay for your F1 seat. The battle uh, for points between Sauber and Manor is uh, quite important, though, because it... Uh, it will decide who gets the 35 million euros. Yes, and it's going to be sour because the, the, you, you aren't going to get a random result in uh, in Abu Dhabi. It's uh, it's not going to rain, let's be honest, and the reliability of these cars is all 
is, are all bulletproof. So unless Jody Schechter from 1974 turns up um, at Silverstone, we're pretty much guaranteed to get 18 cars finishing at least. And two of those cars not in the top 10 will be the Manners. Do we know who might be at Manor next year? Well, oddly, um, they're now thinking it might be uh, uh, Rio Harianto, because apparently the people who didn't pay last year are now promising to pay for next year. Well, that's nice. Yeah. It, it is nice. Apparently, it's a different conglomerate of Mercedes, business, of, of uh, Indonesian businesses are, are, going to, are going to say they're going to pay, make the first payment, then not make any more payments. I understand. Uh, who's going to be uh, standing at the back of the Maca- at the back of the Mercedes garage uh, with a headset on next season? Oh, I don't know. Tell me. I've read this one. While at the same time uh, doing some GP3. Oh, no, again, you've lost me. I'm, I'm, I'm out of the loop of the young drivers at the moment. Uh, that would be George Russell. Really? Yes. Yeah. I'd be, I... I, I who I think is who's great because he sounds like he should, rather than the racing driver, he should be a, he should be a Georgian dandy, shouldn't he? Oh, here comes George Russell, up for some cards, yes, and then some roistering. There's so a word I sounds... was not expecting to hear on tonight's show. I I think um, it it sounds more like, um, and in the 1959 Cup final, George Russell turned out for the Arsenal. <laughs> Playing at left half forward. <laughs> <laughs> he has got a proper name. That's good. I like it. Uh, he's not, he, he, let's hope. As his name's not massively appropriate towards motor racing, he'll have the kind of reverse effect of the man who had the most appropriate name, Scott Speed, and he'll actually be good. Well, he's going to be called Jack, isn't he? And we'll hope that he is just like a little terrier. But would he be a good wiki-keeper, though? Well, yes, a good point. Good point. Uh, he's expected to race for ART in GP3 next season, ah. alongside uh, no, R, not R. <laughs> yes. Alongside a Frenchman called Antoine Hubert. Mhm. Oh. Lovely. I have. Ne- I've never heard of him. He's not been racing in the uh, F3 European Championship this season, Nick, and has won races. In fact, both of them have won races. Well, what I, like is I, I, I really love the way you said that, because you said that in, a, in the way that a teacher would say when you've not done the background reading for your homework. He, oh, he said Nick, it in the way. What a mole of a, uh, you know, co- co- cobalt wade, <laughs> really. Okay, no, it's not important. I don't need to. I, I, you know, I have a, I have a, I have. A, I can only watch so much motorsport, and I, you know, and uh, European Formula Three ain't some of it. Uh, he he said that in in the way that Jeremy Paxman does when he's got the answer on the card in University Challenge. Look it up if you're outside of the UK. And, and he goes, no, no, no. I did have uh, quite an enjoyable evening uh, last night. And in fact, not last night, the night before, um, watching University Challenge because I think I did my best ever um, with 18 correct answers. You got 18 correct answers on University Challenge. It was very easy this week. Oh, it's been dumped down a lot. Anyway, let's move and on. And 58.9332 is your answer, Nick. Yeah, it's the weight of cobalt. One, one mole of cobalt, yeah. All right, yes. Excellent. <laughs> of course it is. Okay, moving on. 
<laughs> it's quarter past eight, and that means it's time for our first uh, uh, award to be announced. So can you? Right, I'll get Graham back for this. You still there, Graham? Not cringing too much. Sorry, I was just dropped off there. You yeah. mentioned the words Formula and One, then I was immediately lulled into to a deep, deep and senseless. Surely you were asleep. woken up by the uh, yes, uh, A-level chemistry, though. Yeah, he, he, yeah, when true. we say Formula One, he hears Formula Yawn, doesn't he? Yeah. Right, come on, moving on. Our first category uh, that we're going to reveal is Car of the Year. Uh, and this is a category in which Graham Goodwin nominated two uh, cars. He did, because uh, it's like that. Tell us about those, Graham. Uh, well, I nominated a very old car and a very new car. And the very old car I nominated was the Mighty 38, uh, the Gibson, nay Zytec, uh, from the uh, Team Jota and latterly the G-Drive squad that's in an astonishing finish to the LMS uh, season this year. Clinched the title for Simon Dolan, Guida van der Garde and the tall man of Putney, Ari Tinknell. And uh, the second car I nominated is the car that I think is going to become a very significant part of the motorsport future. Uh, and that is the J- the LMP3, uh, Ligier JSP3, which 76 cars were sold mm. in the first year of production. Nick, you nominated a Formula One car. Yes, I did. I nominated the Mercedes uh, uh, W07, isn't it, this year? Um, yes, because it was... It was basically it's already won eighteen. Wait, I mean, I, I, it was two. It, the W seven was great too. W O nine because it's won nineteen and so eighteen and will win nineteen races and two races it lost. One was because two of the drivers pinged into each other and the other way it was leading by twenty seconds when its engine went pop. So it has been the most dominant car of all time almost. What did you nominate, John? Uh, I nominated a car that was built for a specific purpose and it went out and achieved its specific purpose. Almost the definition of a prototype, but it was, of course, a GT car. And that was the Ford GT. Uh, Went out and did exactly what it was designed to do, win Le Mans on the anniversary of the last time that Ford won Le Mans and then took a couple of race wins in the States. Uh, as well as a couple of race wins in the FIA WEC. And aside from that, it is a car that has fundamentally changed the GTE category for all time because all of the cars that come now after that car will have to be built to the single-minded purpose of being a racing car first that the Ford GT uh, has uh, has showcased in its first year of competition. Uh, the fifth entry Should was nominated by Marshall Pruitt. That was the Porsche 919. So let's find out who's won. I have the envelope in my hand. <laughs> Is that a gold envelope? That sounded very gold, that one. It's only paper. It just looks gold. Oh, okay, very good. The winner, with 46% of the vote... Was the Ford GT? Ooh, I'm surprised. See, now I know this is not about me, but get in. <laughs> so it just goes to show, like the Brexit vote and like the US election, 46% of the people can be wrong. Are we allowed to ask, like, how far behind was the second car? 
the one, the one in second place got 21.9%. Okay, Third right. place right. got 16.7%, and I thought that that one would have done a lot better. Uh, fourth place, 15.3%, and fifth place, 10.8%. And if those don't add up to 100, then someone obviously uh, uh, then we're more than one our auditors. box or something. Or Christ, Woodhouse Cooper, you've done it wrong again. PwC were indeed uh, our auditors this year. Yes, however, it was Pirelli World Challenge, so all of the results will be subject to being changed a week before the end of the season. Sorry, couldn't couldn't help but get that one in, fellas. All right, um, and the next category that we reveal in about 15 minutes' time, Tim, will be? Uh, well, it's only ten, 10 minutes away now. Uh, okay. That will be Team of the Year, so stand by for that in about 10 minutes' time. Uh, moving on, should we do some sports car news? Because there was a race at the weekend, the final round of the FIA World Endurance Championship in Bahrain. And we have Graham Goodwin, editor of dailysportscar.com, to help discuss it. Right, let's first of all, let's put the emotion aside. We can come back uh, to that, Graham. Um, it was actually a very interesting race in many different ways there were a number of championships up for grabs if we take it from the back of the field uh, first with the GTs a very unusual way to settle a championship in that we saw an Aston Martin engine go pop not for the first time in the final round if I recall no that's that is very true is it two years ago Darren Turner when the uh, Aston Martin was up for the cup that was a Shanghai uh, yeah, had a, a, a big blow up, and unfortunately, Paul Delana was aboard the number 98 car, but it all went horribly horrible. It was a dreadful 60 seconds for Aston Martin, um, but uh, the 98 car went pop, and very classily, I thought, uh, as it all became obvious that uh, the championship was was going their way, and deservedly so. Um, it would be the uh, what may be, what it may prove to be the final. Uh, appearance in the FIWC from the gloriously uh, rorty uh, Ferrari 458 of Francois Perodo, uh, Rui Aguash and Manu Callard took the title uh, well before the chequered flag. Uh, in GTE Pro, we actually had a really interesting battle. You alluded to the problems from Aston Martin, which really took them out of the running uh, at the same time as Paul Dallalana. We had a wheel fall off the which effectively was a, a, a brake disc carrier and hub failure. And uh, that was Johnny Adam had just come out of the pits. Nothing to do with him. And um, we should say as well, as far as we're aware, nothing to do with finger trouble in the pit lane. It was a component uh, failure on that car. Then we had an immense fight back by Mrs. Adam and Darren Turner, who had matched each other to the third decimal place in qualifying quite a brilliant piece of symmetry from those two guys they were the fastest guys on the track for quite a long time they did pull some places back but ultimately that failure cost Aston Martin the manufacturers championship which is the FIA world championship still in that class Absolutely, completely correct. It was uh, it, it was a very costly failure for Aston Martin. Still, two titles going their way: the drivers and teams title going to the 95 car, and to Nicky Team and Marcus Sorensen, which is you know I think a great result either way. And uh, I had a quick chat with John Gore uh, that the uh, the rookie test day the following day, and uh, I said, "Come on, you know you've got to be reasonably happy with that." Yes. 
don't think they expected to be anywhere near the titles at the start of this year. Let's not forget the beginning of two extremely important uh, technical partnerships for Aston Martin Racing with Total and most particularly this year with Dunlop and that has made a massive difference to actually have rubber designed for the front engine rear wheel drive car Good rather point. than mid or rear engined uh, competition which was their downfall really last year that I think made a massive difference John I think it certainly helped to equalise the field against the well you know it's just one car of the year the spaceship that was the Ford and the huge uh, Huge development saga that we've had for so uh, far just through four, five, eight, four, eight, eight. It's not it's one of those empty ones you can sell it back to Caterham. Um, and oh no, you can't. Um, but uh, but <laughs> yes, uh, but I think a big surprise for them, but of the very uh, the most pleasant sort. And ultimately, I think it's good that actually what we've got a, a title spread across more than one of the teams. Didn't happen last year, of course, with Porsche. This time, Ferrari get the big the, the big prize. Aston Martin come back with uh, two lots of silverware, and I think uh, all are reasonably happy. The apart from Porsche, well, <laughs> yes, uh, and more of them in a moment. The the. Uh... The FIA, or more particularly the ACO, and Sir Lindsay Owen Jones, who is the president of the FIA Endurance Committee, are committed to a couple of things. One, to get the Drivers' Championship recognised as a full FIA World Championship rather than a Drivers' Cup, which it is now, Graham, for the GTE Pro side of things. And secondly, uh, and we'll talk about some other things from the gala, um, pointedly, Sir Lindsay, at the end of the gala, when looking forward to 2017, said, we must get in place a more transparent and better BOP. And he called it BOP. They are, of course, performance boxes um, for the cars. They tend not to use the BOP words when GTE is concerned. You know my feelings on this. I don't think BOP of any shape or form has any place in a world championship for GTE cars when we've got such a well-defined technical specification. It's fair to say that everybody in the GTE paddock that I spoke to, in fact, several of them clubbing together and speaking to me and saying, we've got to get this sorted out, including Aston, who won effectively won a couple of championships. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's, it's thoroughly ex- accepted. I mean, you know, I, driver rankings and balance of performance are the two dullest thing in motorsport to get into a discussion with because there's no easy answers. But uh, there is move, there are rather there are moves underway to simplify this. I think some major progress has already been made. And I think we'll get to hear more more about that as time goes forward uh, I think there's certainly going to be the mandating of rather fewer than the I think I'm right John 11 changes this year in a, in a nine race series that's simply disgraceful to be honest with you uh, it's not that's not performance balancing that's really that's responding to results and that's not what it should be about uh, I tend to agree with you that actually uh, we should be moving in the opposite direction to that whether or not there's an appetite for that quite yet I don't know is the honest answer. Uh, the problem with these debates about driver ranking and about uh, balanced performances, everybody's got an opinion based on the last change that was made. Uh, yes. And that tends to mean that you get a split of opinion depending on who's doing well or doing badly out of the process. Uh, but uh, I think we are going to find there is more and more news coming forward of progress. 
What certainly is the case, and it's the same for LMP1, is that the manufacturers are fully engaged with the process. And I think having seen what was doled out this year, I think they'll be even more engaged moving forward. Uh, it tends to be, I have to say, uh, a pretty constructive atmosphere between the manufacturers and the WEC. It's not something we've seen sometimes in other championships. And, and let's see what can be brought to bear here, because I don't think there is any appetite for a continuation in, 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 the, in the way in which we saw it emerge through 2016. I think the Mon in particular was an absolutely massive shock to the uh, the rule makers as to what could be done with the Brains Trust, with one of the main, major manufacturers and, and arguably two of the major manufacturers. Um, and I don't think they're going to want to see that happening again. Uh, it tells you how desperate they are if they're asking people like me for uh, for help on it. Uh, and that's the manufacturers, uh, should I say. Um, interesting one, nevertheless. LMP2, we had another great LMP2 race. We uh, LMP2 is changing next year. Uh, and I'll I'll uh, I'll leave people to make their own minds up about that. However, the last two or three races of the year that we've had, Fuji in particular, was an absolute corker, and it was again this weekend. Battles backwards and forwards. This is a category that uh, put aside uh, again my cynicism about the motives behind changing it and. The fact that I think it was a knee-jerk reaction, it doesn't matter anymore. We're going to have to live with it. What we are seeing, Graham, is an uptick in the interest of professional drivers who bring large sums of money to teams. Now, that sounds like a contradiction in terms, but as you and I were talking about last week on the show, it's far from that. These are career drivers who are basically bringing a lot of money into the paddock and their standards of driving is sometimes questionable but always exciting and this is a category I think we've got to keep our eye on for the best possible reasons. Uh, I think the, the answer is LMP2 is about to undergo um, what, and whatever you, I or anybody else thinks uh, is about to undergo an absolute sea change. Make Correct, it's going to happen, yeah. Absolutely. Literally everybody I speak to that knows about these cars has been involved with the testing of these cars, either as a driver, either behind the chassis side, the engine side, or indeed the tyre side, is coming out with simply spectacular numbers. Um, you know, I'm not at this point, John, going to quote what I've been told about the actual performance of these cars in testing but expect expect these cars to be significantly quicker in terms of lap time against the current LMP2s and expect the straight line speed when we get to Le Mans to be simply extraordinary uh, for, for let's not forget a second string arguably third string LMP car uh, behind the LMP1 privateers let's wait and see whether or not that's actually reality next year. But the reality is here, what we've got are much, much quicker cars. I'm also hearing, John, and um, because they've been pretty smart in terms of uh, the way in which the early testing has gone, it's not just professional drivers are doing the testing here, that the cars are also proving to be easier to drive, which is one of the reasons why a lot of the debate that's been around, we've aired it here uh, on the show in previous weeks, about whether or not it's safe for the gentleman drivers to drive such uh, cars of high performance is what I'm hearing, and I'll tell you right here and now, I asked the question of Vincent Beaumanil from the ACO, and I asked about whether or not the uh, the cars might be reeled in to take that into account, and his answer to me was, and I quote, that is absolutely not on the agenda. Okay. 
fair enough. Uh, LMP1 and LMP1 hybrid. Um, well, we wave goodbye for the moment, at least, for the very pretty Rebellion uh, R1. Uh, another championship already wrapped up for them. And once again, they were on the podium to celebrate that in the end. But an extraordinary race. Perhaps the most Audi of Audi performances that we've seen, well, all season, actually. And an end-of-term feel... Uh, it could have been a heads-down performance from Audi in their final uh, outing. It was anything but that. It was heads hell high and a completely dominant 1-2. Uh, utterly dominant. Paul and, you know, win fastest lap and new lap record. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we'll ignore for the moment, because I know we're going to come to it later, John, the extraordinary scenes leading up to the start of the race and, indeed, after the race. In the race... Um, it did your heart good, actually, after what's been a pretty ropey few weeks as a result of the decisions made by the VW Audi Group board. Um, you know, to, to watch them coming back and being very Audi-like about it. It's and more to the point to see the response of uh, the competitors in the in the paddock um, to that performance uh, during and afterwards. Um, it just lifted the spirits, didn't it? Uh, uh, what was what could easily have been a very downbeat end of the season. It wasn't that at all. And great to see them going out on a high, going out with their heads held high and seeing smiles on faces that otherwise we might have had tears for a very different reason. It was a, it was a great result. Uh, congratulations to the number two crew who could have been left out in that they had bad luck again, clipped by another car, KCMG Porsche, Christian Reid, Absolutely desolate. Didn't want to talk to anybody uh, about it. Not even the very lovely Louise Becker down in Pit Lane, who can normally persuade most people to have a word uh, into the microphone. Um, they got the car home. They were three laps down. They won the championship. And in a massive break with protocol, which I absolutely agree with, they were brought up onto the podium after the main presentations to take the plaudits of the teams and uh, everyone else down in the pit lane. And I applaud the ACO and the FIA for doing that. Uh, yeah, John, you know what? Uh, in very many ways, I'm uh, a firm believer in protocol. Uh, things <laughs> like not, not allowing the American president-elect to decide what our ambassador's going to be, for instance. That's one where I'm a very firm fan of protocol. However, in this instance, spot on. Uh, there is absolutely no reason, no reason whatsoever, that after a hard season of racing, you shouldn't be allowed to celebrate the champions on the podium. Correct. The fact they're not handed a cup is not the point. What you want to do is to congratulate people who fought hard for an entire season in front of their peers. That's what a podium ceremony, as far as I'm concerned, should be for. And in particular, if you've got a crowd there to actually recognise that, that's probably why they're there. So I thought it was exactly the right thing to do to actually have Mark Romain and Neil on the podium. It was great to see them uh, smile after you know what's been a harrowing few months for them uh, trying to cling on. Um, you know the the debate about the point system is one for another day. Uh, the reality is that several different ways you could have actually put run that point system, they would still have won it. Um, and you know, but the reality is that clearly there are questions to be asked in terms of what comes next. That, as far as I'm concerned, very simply. I don't write speculation about drivers. Uh, I don't write speculation about drivers for one reason, one reason only. 
Um, and the reason that, that is, I just don't think it's classy. Uh, I think we could talk. We can talk about what might happen. We can talk about the reasons about what might happen. But frankly, people coming back and saying paddock sources say, well, you've either spoken to the driver, in which case I have the courage of your convictions to say so. You've spoken to the boss, in which case I have the courage of your convictions to say so. Or you don't know. Mm. And as far as I'm concerned... Well done to the world champions. Well done to the world champions and Le Mans winning drivers. And let's wait and see what the close season brings us. I suspect it'll be a very different looking Porsche team by the time we get to the 2017 season. Uh, we move on to the next category now. Tim Greer, where are we going next? Did you see? Uh, it's team of the year next. Team uh, of the year. And the nominees? Well, Nick, uh, you uh, went uh, and favoured your... Your variation of the sport, didn't you? Not, not my, not my per, I don't personally own Formula One. If I, if I did, you know, I'm not even. Well, no, I'd still be on the show if I own Formula One. I, I love it so much. Um, There's but, no reason uh, why you can't be involved in the management of uh, Formula One and have a media empire as well. There's no conflict you know of interest really, there. That's and, a really unless, good point. Unless you make it a conflict of interest. Well, yeah. Well, uh, luckily, uh, luckily, I have neither. Um, so I nominated uh, Mercedes F1. Uh, John, who did you go for? Uh, I went for the uh, Audi Sport Team Yost. Yes, Graham, you had uh, uh, Toyota, didn't you? Yes, he did. Did for, for, well, for, for very obvious reasons, and uh, yeah, the way that they attacked the Le Mans 24 Hours, the the, the, the big jewel in the crown uh, for their sports car program, but much, much more than that, the way that they responded afterwards, and the way they fought back to competitiveness after, after a dire couple of races in the, in the middle uh, of the beginning of the second half of the season, uh, incredibly classy towards the end of the season, so to Kazoo uh, Racing, absolutely. And Marshall went for Penske who uh, dominated IndyCar again this season. So let's take the envelope and find out who the winner is. And the winner with 35.9% of the vote right. is Toyota. Ooh. Get in there. Well Whoa. done. Well done. Um, uh, and I think that's I very... I take it from not many points ahead of Audi, I take it. Uh, the second uh, placed uh, entry got 29.1, third was 20.4, and fourth 14.6. Mm. So that good. does add up to 100, that's good. Um, what is our <laughs> next category? Uh, next we're going to be looking at race of the year, which is very, very close. Really? Yes. Oh, Okay. Oh, I yes, I know mine. I doubt my nomination up there somehow. Yes, I, I know mine. <laughs> All right, uh, but uh, before that... So we'll be that, doing that in about 15 minutes' time. Before that, we're going to go back to sports cars, oh, and okay, for our right. next sports car story, I've got a choice, um, because the three of you, of course, weren't allowed to vote in this, uh, so I'm going to right. give you uh, the, the chance to vote now on which of these funny intros into the next story we're going to do. Okay. So, first of all... Uh, last week on the show, I was uh, uh, complaining about someone, wasn't I? Yes, not unusually, in fairness. Uh, and that person was Bent Mylander. Yep, the too slow, too old, not good enough. Uh, because I, my belief is that it's too long since he actually uh, drove a race car. Yeah. Um, and uh, therefore, that disqualifies him to be the safety car driver. Yeah. 
Yannick yeah. Dalmas was obviously listening to that. Yes, he was. Oh, wasn't he? Wasn't he? Um, because he's decided to have a go in a race car. So that's uh, no, no, option he no, one. He didn't. He didn't. No, no. He didn't, he didn't decide. He didn't. No, no, no. He didn't have a, a go in a, a race car. Multiple he race cars. He had a go in two race cars. Yes. Three race cars. So that's, that's, that's option I one. he did one of the hybrids. Nope, no, not the, the Audi broke down. Ah, okay. Oh dear. That's right. option one. Option two is... Uh, an interesting uh, addition to the rookie test in Bahrain uh, was a former French Formula 3 champion uh, who is a complete sports car rookie and definitely hasn't won the Le Mans 24 hours four times. Right. So which of those interests do you prefer? Uh, who was that then? That was also Yannick Delmas. Oh, yes, yes. Um, I prefer the first one. Okay, I well, do. Yep. listener, uh, go with the first one. Uh, and Graham, tell us about Yannick Dalmas uh, driving two uh, sports cars. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it was it's meant to be three. We should say that. There was time put I, aside for him to drive all of the hybrids because he's not just the safety car driver. He's uh, not he, the safety car driver. Uh, sorry, he's not the safety car driver. He's the no. driver... Um, he's the driver advisor. Advisor on the stewards panel. Yep, that's correct, and uh, works very closely with both the stewards and with Eduardo Freitas. He is, however, the man that will go out and assess track conditions, as we've seen on a number of occasions in extraordinary fashion, not least at Le Mans. With the, it's never been um, too well, bad for him, has it? No, 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 we'll never see it again, Do you know there weren't Pirellis on that safety car when he was out at Le Mans in the taming rain, sideways? Absolutely amazing stuff. But uh, Yannick, some, certainly something of a character, four-time Le Mans winner, uh, and in four different makes of car, mm-hmm. of course. Uh, a man of no little skill, but determination was made that actually it would be a very good thing, bearing in mind he's got to um, assist the stewards and, and effectively is there to see partly at least the driver's side of things, that uh, the workload in the car and uh, things like sight lines. So what mm. can you see, what can't you see? Uh, were particularly important and kudos you know both to the FIA slash uh, you know WEC and indeed to both manufacturers for allowing that to happen um, he clearly enjoyed the experience he came and talked to us in the press room at the end of the day for the rookie test day and had plenty to say about it and what he said the, 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 the quote that spoke volumes to me was being a driver is just not enough anymore you've got to be a little bit more special the workload he said was intense um, you know, we asked him about how much he'd been able to learn before he managed to get aboard the cars. And what he said there was, I learned the basics. I didn't want to break my brain, was his uh, quote, which I thought was fabulous. And, and it just underlines, John, you know, what we've said time and time again. We are talking about workloads in those cars that far exceed what they would have been five, six, seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think that was a very smart thing to do. I really do. Um, he was very excited about it. I had a chat with him coming out of the circuit on Saturday when he said, are you coming, are you coming to watch? This is the times I'm going to be out on the track in each of the cars. And I said, oh, I'm a bit busy, I'm afraid, Yannick, but I would, I'll try and get over in the afternoon. Unfortunately, I didn't because we were rehearsing for the, the gala. But he was, he was really excited about doing it. And I think it was quite brave of him, if I'm honest. Um, but I also oh, think oh, yeah. if, if he's going to be called on to make to help the stewards panel and until we have full-time traveling stewards 
who are the same or substantially the same at every event, um, including um, uh, in the FIA World Endurance Championship, then then you need someone like Yannick to be to be the the constant, if you will, as well as to be able to give the driver view. And Tim's assertion about drivers being away too long from the race, and he's absolutely right, whether the safety car drivers or whether they're in the role that Yannick is. And I, I think it was it was very, very well done. There were some other well, interesting there was, people there as well, wasn't there? Uh, there were. I mean, but before we go on to that, I should say, he was just a handful of seconds off a competitive pace. And the question was asked, you know, do you think you could get there? And his immediate answer was, well, look, the, the key to it is not what you do on track. It's what you know before you get aboard. Correct. And his answer was, I'd need at least a couple of days with the car and with the engineers not out on the track and probably two or three days out on track. And yes, I think I could get up to the stage where I could be a lot more competitive in terms of speed. So it's good to, good to see he's still got his racing head on. No, but exactly. equally well, uh, very, very good to see he's got his professional head on. And the professional came first to the racer on that occasion. I thought that was great. Uh, the yes, other people who were there, Robert Kubica, obviously, was the headline act. He drove the Collis. Now, I spoke to him on Monday morning on the hopper flight from uh, from Bahrain back to Doha. Probably the only time I can say that I finished in front of him because I was in 2K and he was in 3K. And I had a long chat with him before we took off. And um, he was very complimentary, accepts the car that isn't, isn't perhaps one of the most competitive on the grid, but was trying to get a feel for it. He's... Uh, assertion to me was that if he's going to come back he wants to know that he can be competitive or come into the championship he wants to be competitive and whether it's in P1 or P2 he wants to feel as though he is up to being able to do it now I've got to say that I haven't seen Robert since he had his nasty accident in the the rally car and he was wearing a short sleeved shirt and the damage to his arm has been clearly very, very significant indeed. And the fact that he can drive a car is extraordinary. The fact that he can drive a car as quick as he did uh, on Sunday morning and afternoon is even more impressive. Um, he is still clearly very fit in himself. Cle- clearly still has the absolutely burning light of a racer in his eyes. What remains to be seen, Graham, is whether he can put a deal together to come back because that's what he's going to need, isn't it? Uh, without a shadow of a doubt, and I think uh, I'm glad to hear he's not counted out P2 because that might be the better option for him. We have seen out racing uh, circuits. I think probably Nick was there. At, was it Mugello, uh, mm. Nick, where, where he raced yeah. the Mercedes-Benz? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, the, I, I, the, I, what? Sorry, 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 I did see him there. I think, I think the thing that surprised me most and... and not wishing to put a downer on his incredible talent was how damaged his hand and, and lower arm were. I didn't realize, I did not realize it was that bad. And that was, and, and I know you can adapt things. I know, you know, that it, it, it's possible and, and certainly with, within the P2 cars, but it, he, he is at best driving one and a third handed. Yeah. Yeah. So which makes know, it even there's... more extraordinary. Although we Absolutely have a sport right. of course where, you know, um, we have in the past opened up to people who um, have not had um, or have had ne- have needed to have assistance in their driving, whether it be different controls or whatever. 
Um, so I think you know the possibilities for him in our sport is probably our part of the sport is probably greater than others, and we wish him well in that because he was absolutely. Um, he still clearly wants to race at a very high level. Some uh, unsurprisingly, um, a few um, single-seater drivers having having a little look as well. Um, you mentioned the Audi having a mechanical issue. Did, did, does that mean that um, the guys didn't get through their programme with the rookie drivers? or uh, No, well, there was only one driver due to drive the Audi, and indeed it would appear that Paul Lipschatan will be the last person to drive wow. uh, an Audi R18 in a not a competitive session, but a timed session for an FIA uh, series and Paul Lipschatan got seven of his ten laps in before whatever befell the R18 befell it. Uh, Gustavo Menezes and Pipa Durrani, uh, the other two rookies to actually get that chance and it was Gustavo Menezes in the Porsche that was the quicker of the three um, on the day but beyond that yes a gaggle of people all over the place with um, the uh, LMP2 teams that turned out and indeed some of the GT teams and yes. uh, Aston Martin Racing turned out with uh, a number of uh, recognisable faces. Alex Lynn getting the Aston that, Martin. Alex Lynn did get, did get aboard the, uh, the Aston Martin, as did Caldal Capese, which yeah. was uh, you know a nice thing to see. I think he's got some concerns about the potential competitiveness of the Porsche and GTM next year. They were there, Proton. Um, the uh, Both the Proton cars from GTM stayed on, both driven by Ricard Leitz, and both actually tyre-testing for the ELMS with New Rubber yeah. uh, from Dunlop next year, which I thought was pretty smart stuff. And uh, two other rookies, good to see, actually, Manoray uh, some guy called uh, Alex Brundle and a guy called Mike Guash. And that was their prize ride, by the way, for the LMP3 um, title in the ELMS. They got to drive the Manor Orica in testing. And that might well prove to be uh, a very interesting time with, because one of the other people doing the rounds in the paddock over the weekend, yes. I think you bumped into him as well, was Richard Dean. I from was United just going to mention that. Yeah, they've got an LMP2 entry at Le Mans and... I just wonder whether that might morph into something else, actually, as well. Something a bit more than just a one-off. Well, I think what, what Dini was quite happy to tell us, it definitely is going to morph into something else. I think they're looking now at a full season of VLMS, yeah. but also targeting the 2018 Rolex 24 Hours at Daytona. Uh, so reports elsewhere that uh, it might be for... 2018. So yeah. it reports elsewhere that it might have been for the coming year. Definitely not the case, but definitely working up to 2018. And the the, the news, if you like, about that is that the reason Didi was there uh, is not just to do with drivers. It's to do with putting together the finances and more, more particularly the people and the equipment, because it will have to be an additional team over and above their current LMP3 yes. effort. Yeah, that would be that makes a perfect amount of sense. Before we leave the sports car world. And the other big news of the weekend was the uh, first public appearance in Europe, well, not in the States, uh, of the new 911 RSR, which is a beast, uh, an absolute beast. It's big, it's purposeful, it has more than a passing resemblance to the 1998 Le Mans winning a GT1 Porsche 911. It has the engine in roughly the same place because very cleverly using the rules to move the engine within the engine compartment. Um, They've managed to push the engine far further forward than it was. But the big talking point is still the fact that they've gone with the normally aspirated engine that they've used 
for such a long time. I actually spoke to someone who knows Porsche very, very well and asked the direct question, why is that normally aspirated and not turbocharged? Because I can't see a reason for it in marketing reasons, nor in sporting reasons, and came back the very simple answer, they've made a mistake. They, they, as we said last time out there, John, first things first, it was in a box, so we've not seen the stance, if you like, of the car. Mm. I don't like using that word, but we've not seen how it sits on the track. But True. my guess is we're going to be even more impressed when it's we big. do see it. It's big. It, it's, it's big, and it's, it is a very good-looking car. Um, but it is to do with where they thought the rules were going to go and didn't. So it remains to be seen. So you think what, they what committed to that normally aspirated engine, thinking the GTE rules were going one way, which would be sonic yes. restrictors? And no, they... no, it was to do with torque sensors. Ah, right, torque sensors, and they didn't use the torque sensors. Okay, correct. Hmm. Yeah. It's gonna. It's unfortunately, I'm afraid, going to go back to what we were talking about before, um, about. Um, uh, about the balance of performance. Can't wait to see the car on the track. Um, and I did like that colour scheme, actually. I thought the colour scheme worked very very well on the car. Right, m- move on very quickly, because I know Tim's got another envelope to uh, open in a moment. Can't leave the weekend without talking about Audi. Uh, Nick, did you see any of the coverage? Um, yes, some, some of it, and certainly a lot of the uh, the post-race uh, coverage, yeah, I saw the and, and, and a couple of the features that came down. I even saw the highlights of the presentation ceremony yesterday, uh, no, no, uh, no, not yesterday, uh, yeah, well, where it was, I was in the office, uh, on uh, of you presenting with Girard. Yes. Um, <laughs> the... Uh... <laughs> Mm. The um, uh, the Morecambe and Morecambe of the uh, <laughs> FIWC. <laughs> Truly wise and wise. <laughs> no, definitely no, not. No, definitely not wise. Two <laughs> uh, uh, straight men. A uh, cu- couple of, again, breaks with procedure. We've seen it before with the FIWC when Tom Christensen was allowed to lead the first of the two warm-up laps and his final uh, event. Poor Tom didn't really know what to do with it um, and sort of potted around waiting for everyone else to catch up we saw the audi r8 lms uh pace car with the two e-tron quattros on the first lap well ahead of the rest of the field the rest of the field backing off and being very respectful we saw some extraordinary scenes before the race how i said at the time graham i'm not sure how anybody could concentrate on going racing eduardo freitas broke everybody up with his speech over the radio about uh, being 18 years coming of age, leaving home, but all, always having a home and a place with the family in their true home of endurance racing. We were all, there wasn't a dry eye in the house at that point. Put all that aside, the race, they went one, two, brilliant. We've talked about that. But we saw they were right at the end of pit lane at the pit out and therefore had to, the whole team, of course, wanted to be under the podium. Everybody, every mechanic, everybody was in those two garages. They had to walk the full length of the pit lane and every single team came out to applaud them as they walked past i have not seen anything like that that was unbelievable so it's staggering it just was emotion on emotion on emotion and plaudits to audi they did it in a very classy way to all of their competitors mm. and again john to the race organizers the grid was superb you're absolutely right eduardo's uh, beats on the radio at the same moment we saw the banner from the marshals the Bahraini marshals had you, had, had you and I in in tears in the in the booth 
Um, before that, even the Thursday evening press conference where the team managers attended and there was a hundred percent turnout from the press pack. Fee Miller, it was lovely to see feedback, by the way, um, uh, in the WEC after her uh, uh, recent illness. Um, and uh, he got uh, a standing ovation Dr. there, Ulrich, yeah. but uh, it did indeed. Then that uh, run down the pit lane from uh, the whole of the Audi team. It was great to see Eva Maria with Dr. Ulrich, another one of the long standing. Uh, servants that uh, effort and yes for me one of the absolute highlights john was the the uh, the gala that you and lou and uh, and gerard actually presented if you haven't seen the tribute video to audi and in particular to dr Ulrich, please do see it that is one very special guy mm. um and Classic. his uh, his indeed emotional response to it was as human as we know that he almost always is uh, behind that kind of veneer of you know ruthless racing efficiency that's that's the guy and uh, we're going to miss him we're going to miss it a great deal and we're going to miss all of his team um you know for a long long time to come yes one or two of them i'm sure will be back some of them in a driving seat some of them in the press room some of them um in the garages of various teams but as an entity that marks the end and i am distraught that that's the end of that uh, that effort but uh, to, to close it in the way that they did let's put it this way i'm very glad they compete in the mm. fiwc and not in many other championships that might not have treated them as well on the last day yeah and i think um as we uh, as I, I i think i said at the end of the highlights program audi sport and um, particularly audi sport team yours have defined the spirit of competition over the last 18 years we're going to miss them. We'll miss them because there's a lot of our friends there. But that spirit continues, and Dr. Ulrich said exactly that. The championship will continue. You talked about the gala. Um, Tim's already uh, waving another envelope uh, in my general direction. A um, couple of pieces of audio for you to listen to uh, at the moment. First, this from Mark Webber in an interview that I did and then wrote up for Mobile One The Grid. The, the older established guys that had in, and are in, incredible drivers had incredible reputations and are and 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 guys that we all look up to uh, the sport from a driving front was was never in doubt um, so and that's just I'm trying to bridge the gap between when I when they left and maybe I arrived so I think that the people love drivers they love to support their favorite drivers um, obviously there's a there's a link to uh, there's a curiosity from when a Formula One leaves to go to another category what's what's it all about so I think that's naturally if a Fernando if myself if a JB or whatever we move around which will happen in the future with, with, with other guys in F1 uh, there's a natural uh, as I say curiosity for fans to, to migrate to that fresh category and it, it, it gives us a new audience here because yeah. we bring a lot with we, we do inevitably bring a lot with us and that's not down to me that's just down because of the category I did before and then I, I come across and and now Alonso himself in the tribute video to Mark Webber at the Gala. You know, all your success in uh, with Porsche, uh, you didn't wait for me there uh, because it could be nice. But uh, I think you will be around, so I will ask you many things uh, when I join uh, your adventure. Really great man, and uh, you know, from my heart, uh, all the best. Which leaves us, Graham, in absolutely no doubt at all that Alonso wants to be and feels he will be a WEC driver fairly shortly. Uh, let's put it this way. 
Fernando Alonso, unless I'm very much mistaken, it's happened before, uh, but <laughs> unless I'm very much mistaken, will be a Porsche WC driver, at least for Le Mans, at least for Le Mans in 2018. That's my understanding of where we stand. Uh, you know, it was a surprise to hear me being as open and as blunt as he was. Um, uh, Jensen Button the... as well hinted at it, but wasn't quite as direct as Fernando was. Not not sure that Jensen's quite there in the same time frame. It would be great to see him there. He'd be more than welcome. Uh, but certainly, um, let's put it this way, if if... If Fernando Alonso is coming, he's coming with one of two brands. I can't see him wanting to drive a GT car. I think he'd want to come for the overall. It's been made very clear, very clear indeed to me, that the Toyota efforts, uh, if they're stretching the way they want to stretch it, cannot stretch to current Formula One talent. So if he's coming, he's only going in one direction. And everything he says in that little piece to, to Mark points in the direction that he's heading for Porsche in 2018. It's Graham Goodwin, editor of DailySportsCar.com, along with Nick Damon, me, John Hindorf, and our executive producer up in London, Tim Gray. Hello. Uh, we're going. Hello. We're going through our awards for 2016, and it's half time. Midweek Motorsport, where we're only halfway. Right then, in the second half of tonight's programme, we still have five categories, five of the gold coloured envelopes to open for race of the year, non-driver of the year, young driver of the year, driver of the year and of course the I Respect Listener Award. They're all still to come. I've got a bit more news as well including a pointless press release of the week and keep your comments coming in to the usual spots at Radio Le Mans or at Specutainment with the hashtag M-O-T-Y and it is the 2016 Midweek Motorsport Season Award Show. And the second half comes up next when Tim Gray will speak at the end of this jingle, which will stop now. Midweek Motorsport on RadioLeMond.com. Good evening once again, and uh, I'd like to uh, welcome to our audience now, the responsible adult and everyone else who's been watching MasterChef. <laughs> Eve, you should know better than that that Eve uh, may well be a MasterChef. If it's, is it MasterChef professional? It is, yes. No, yes, that's she, the only one that She Eve is watches. very critical. It's the only one I ever watch as well. Um, she, she'll have that on, on the disc. Because I, I could do back. better than that. Do, do, you want, do you want a bit of TV, TV uh, cooking trivia? Go on, then. Right. Nadia, who won Great British Bake Off last year, is now very famous and presenting on TV. She gets her, her children have swimming lessons with Rachel. Wow. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. We're that, we, I tell you what, I am looking forward to the Christmas present for once. If it's not a decent cake, if it's a, no, it's a blooming lint bunny again, no, I'm, I want a decent cake made by the Bake Off champ. Now, hang on a second. We, before... Still to There's come. jokes Before about the bikinis time. and soggy bottoms there, isn't there? Move, move <laughs> away from that immediately. Be- before the half-time break there, we did promise another uh, gold envelope to be opened. Uh, to and you. I now have that envelope in my hand. Right. And this is for Race is of the Year. Race of the year. Uh, and the nominations were... Well, you, I nominated you picked Fuji. Fuji, uh, which uh, was definitely the WEC Race of the Year. Well, do you not count Le Mans? Who, who, who had Le Mans? Graham, Graham had Le Mans. 
yeah, Le Mans was, and, and several times over the weekend, it was mentioned as it will never happen like that again, in fairness. You can't promise that. Oh, it's, I'm, how do you separate the two? How do you separate Fuji and Le Mans? Because obviously well, Le Mans Marshall's is four times as, as long. Well, one's in France and the other one's in Japan. Marshall's Indy 500 was a very, very good show because it was a good Indy 500 this year. Nick, what did you pick? Well, I'm guessing I may have picked the, uh, the event that gets Outsider. the lowest number of votes ever, uh, which was the uh, the F18 off-road uh, uh, icy championship from uh, Redavan near Alicante, and a great hour, a great 45 minute of uh, uh, RC car action. How well, close was this? Nick, <laughs> Nick definitely had the shortest uh, race of the four nominees. Uh, I can Excellent. tell you that one of the nominees received 1.2 percent of the vote. Hard to work out which one that might be. Isn't it? Let's open the envelope and find out who's won. I'm quite pleased with that, actually. I want to know how close it was before you tell us. Before you tell us which one won, how close was it? Uh, The second place had 40.0% of the vote. 40% and it didn't win! The winner had 47.6% of the vote. That's... Uh, that's a mandate, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it? It's some democracies, yes. Well, I'm sorry, that, that's a really bad 70s aftershave. What, mandate? Yeah. Mandates. And the winner of the... 2016, 2016 Midweek, Midweek Motorsport, Motorsport Race, of the, Race year, of the Year. The 100th running of the Indianapolis 500. Oh, well done. Well really? Done. Yes. Well done, Collective. Well, well blimey, blimey, Charlie. Well, I tell you what, that says to me that we have a very, very sensible um, and eclectic listenership. I'm delighted. God, genuinely delighted. Mm-hmm. Well, Absolutely. not me down with a feather. <laughs> Right, I'm writing that down even as we speak. Uh, in about just over ten minutes' time, we will have the. Uh, it'll be non-driver of the year next. Um, Graham Goodwin, editor of DailySportsCar.com, is with us. Nick Damon is on the line as well. I'm John Hindorf. And the other voice you heard was, of course, our executive producer up in London, uh, Tim Gray. Um, end of the uh, the World Sportscar season at the, at the World Endurance Championship of the season. We have still got, of course, the Formula One denouement to come and uh, we'll be talking about that Um, one thing we have to talk about Tim and we've been getting a few emails about this is uh, what's happening with the and I'm not going to call it the Christmas quiz what's happening with our annual quiz this year and how do people submit questions well details of that will follow uh, shortly uh, as soon as we've confirmed the date and venue Okay. Um, Later on this week, uh, Graham and Nick, um, a significant internet uh, event in terms of internet streaming. Uh, I'm off to (laughs) a stop it. I'm off to a a multiplex cinema at Sol Satana, which is uh, just beside Le Mans, for something I'm pretty certain Graham hasn't happened before uh, in any form of. uh, oh no! In fact, no. We did is do it, one. Is, like it, is it is it you being at a cinema without having an enormous bucket of nachos? Well, <laughs> yes, almost certainly that will be the case. But this is a global premiere that is going to be streamed at the same time as it is 
screened, streamed and screened, let's say that a few times quickly, at the same time. Indeed, and uh, this is the 2016 Le Mans 24 Hours movie. And if you do, can't do get, you think to... it will, do you think it will dampen their uh, excitement about this movie, knowing that it didn't even win Race of the Year on the uh, on the on our show? It must Shh, have been. Don't tell them. I wouldn't don't say that. Them. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. Um, if you can't get there, and I've got a strong suspicion that the tickets, which were priced at a very reasonable ten or fifteen euros, I seem to think. Um, um, so even if you could drive down to uh, Le Mans on. Thursday tomorrow. Tomorrow. Oh, oh my goodness! Yes, I. Um, then you uh, probably wouldn't be able to get in. I hope there's a red carpet and spotlights in the sky. Um, the, uh, the, I'm pretty certain there's a pre-game and a post-game as well, or pre-film and post-film, um, with uh, uh, yours truly here doing the English version of the interviews and the translations from Bruno van der Stick's excitable questions um, <laughs> and you can watch it on my ACO but you will have to create uh, an account there uh, to be able to uh, to be able to watch it as far as I'm aware and I'm looking I'm waiting for the responsible adult to break in and shake a finger at me I believe it's it's global it's not geo-blocked so you, if you have or can get yourself and my ACO um, sign-on, then you will be able to watch it. Guests include Doug Feehan, Programme Manager for Corvette Racing, and uh, uh, Wolfgang Ulrich, um, uh, not um, doing the Foxtrot together, but they will be answering questions um, uh, on on the stage. Come on, Grim. I'd pay to to watch that. What, them dancing together? Absolutely. Um, well, in fairness, if you think about it, Dr. Oring hasn't got much to do, so there must be a German version of Dancing with the Stars that can go on. Yes, I'm, I'm dancing, dancing mit the stars. Yes. Tansen mit, I can't think of what stars is for the moment in German. And answers on a tweet too, at Specutainment. Yes, abs- absolutely. And I thought he was German. I'm having a mental block. Um, they do have a word star, but I'm not sure that means star. No. Uh, so anyway, I'll the German talk... version is called "Let's Dance." Tanzen <laughs> 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 mm. yet? Uh, no, the... it is called "Let's Dance" Let's English. Dance yeah. in English. In and the, the Austrian as... version is "Dancing Stars." Stars. Well, the, in the same way as uh, the uh, French Saturday evening roundup of uh, football is called, and I kid you not. Match of Z Deer. Absolutely right. I, I like strict common Tanson. That's, uh, that's what it would be. <laughs> Almost certainly not. My favourite uh, German uh, reality show has to be Ich bin ein Stahlt mir hier raus. I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Yes. Yeah, it would be that. Very good. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport, and this is our 2016 award show. I think. To save us from ourselves right now, Tim, we better find another envelope. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's do that. It's the non-driver of the year is our next category. Right. Uh, I have the envelope in front of me, uh, but can you remember who you nominated in this category? I can. Right. Because it, who, it, who did you have? Because I got it wrong, didn't I? I nominated it wrong, the wrong one. Yeah, you you, no, you nominated Karl Haas, and you really wanted to have nominated Gene Haas. Yes. 
Right, so you nominated Gene Haas for a fantastic first season in Formula One, and it has been a good season for them in Formula One, has it not? And then we found out that they weren't even trying after March, they'd be working on next year's car. Which makes it an even better season for them. Who were the other nominees, Tim? Who did Marshall nominate? Marshall uh, went for Jay Fry. Yes, and Graham and I, uh, did. which one of us went for Dr Wolfgang Ulrich? Me, me. Definitely me. <laughs> I, I think I can hear Roadrunner. Me, me, me. And the final nominee there for, for obvious reasons, Dr. Wolfgang Ulrich, another sort of lifetime achievement award, and also being very classy. Uh, and by the way, for those who's asking, he's staying on for one year to manage the handover to Dieter Gas, who's been running the DTM program latterly. In fact, we had a long chat with Dieter Gas. If you go back and listen to our prologue program for the WEC um, he was there deputising for Dr Wolfgang Ulrich who was on holiday that week and he spoke um, very brightly about sports cars at that point little did we know what was coming of course uh, and the final nominee Tim uh, was Doug Feehan the programme manager of Corvette Racing we spoke to him earlier on and my thoughts on that was not just for um, what he has achieved uh, this year, but uh, again, going back to effectively changing a corporate mindset because uh, GM had, had fought against having a works, a factory based programme, but uh, Doug Feehan was there right at the beginning in the late 1990s and managed to change their mind and uh, that has brought us a, a very long and impressive set of uh, of victories, over 100 victories uh, for that Corvette in the works form, at least. Uh, not counting their customers around the world. Tim has the gold-coloured paper envelope. I can tell that, you that this. Sounded, that sounded a bit deeper than the other ones. That one. It's slightly wider. That envelope. They're not. Ah, they're not identical. These envelopes. No, I, I didn't think so. Um, this was the least close of our categories. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, and the only one where the winner achieved more than 66.7% of the vote. <laughs> 66.8, in fact. Indeed. Oh, I wish I could get the lottery numbers like that. What was the next best, then? 20.4. Right, OK. So three times more than the next best. And our non-driver of 2016, the Midweek Motorsport Awards, are, is... Dr Wolfgang Ulrich. Could it have been anybody else? Graham, that's your nominee. It could nominee. have been any of the other three, actually, John, if people yes, had voted for them. Yes, that's true. <laughs> um, that's very true. Um, I think I actually even voted for Dr Wolfgang Ulrich, if I'm, if I'm honest. Um, the uh, Graham, your nominee, um, and easy to think about the emotion, but... Again, if you go back and listen to our little mini long one with, with Dr Ulrich, when he took on Audi Sport, which was quite a few years, in fact, before they came to Le Mans, which is undoubtedly what they're best uh, thought of for, best remembered for, he got into the job, and after about three weeks, it, it, Audi Sport was being closed down. Uh, yeah, and he's fended that one off, hasn't he, pretty well <laughs> for a couple of decades. Um, I mean, amazing success. I think we worked out... Uh, in uh, in Shanghai, John, that uh, there's been a title at least of some sort uh, 
uh, every single year that he's been in charge for Audi Sport in touring cars, in the DTM, and of course in LMP. And uh, I think all bar two or three of those years, there's what would be described as a major title. That's pretty astonishing stuff. Mm. Uh, but it's not just a success, it's the way he's done it. And yes, the internet cynics will point to you know, the odd occasion when things haven't gone well and the nonsense that happened in DTM with the push him off scandal. Forget it. That's not him. What's him is is what we've seen over the, the last, well, two decades in sports car racing uh, a real human side to uh, a very efficient management style and it's based on him picking the people he feels he needed with its drivers technicians engineers management staff pr you name it and and nurturing that uh, that that team incredibly graham um audi sport team yost which is has been effectively the the factory team I think we we reckon nine people who've been there for the whole 18 years and plenty of people who've been there for 10 years plus um a lot of them turned out the weekend lena geard was there for nine years she was back at the weekend howden haynes similarly over 10 years there all you know it's it's one of these things where you get into it and the amount of times we heard Dr. Wolfgang Ulrich described as a father figure, a mentor, but he really does see all of those. And, and again, we we point people to the to the gala video that is available. Um, he sees himself and and what he does as part of of his family almost. Uh, very much so. It's it was always that kind of atmosphere you know he he was always very approachable even in the difficult days always very approachable Mm. and you know i think i i I tried to find the moment that defines you asked me and i think it may have been on midweek motorsport john what was the moment that for me defined audi sport and it wasn't a victory it was what they did when they lost and they Mm. showed people how to lose with class and that's the word that keeps coming up it's classy do you remember, Graham, when Audi withdrew from the American series and there was all kinds of rumours going on about why, about the the reasons behind it, that they were going off in a huff because it hadn't gone their way. And so through Eva Maria, we put a call in to Dr Wolfgang Ulrich and he insisted in staying at his desk until 9 o'clock German time. Be, be, we could have pre-recorded it in the afternoon. But he wanted to be there because, and it was all email in those days, because he wanted to answer the direct questions that Correct. were coming that were coming from our listeners then, and and that tells you it doesn't it all you need to know about what he thinks that and the way he cares about his staff. The reaction when Alan McNish got out of that horrible crash at Le Mans. Oh, the reaction when tears in his eyes. Exactly. Yes. The, and and the you know the, the the applause the reaction when he consoled Rocky at Monza in which was in truth in Trent 24 as much as to say yeah okay it's over forget about it we're going to start it um, we'll start it again at the next one you know just f- fantastic the guy is was and will continue to be an absolute class act. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, seldom in life do you come across someone in a senior, superior, call it what you will, position to you. It's happened very seldom in my life. But you treasure those people. Mm. You treasure them because you're there to advise. You're there to assist. 
but quite often you get the impression they don't actually need you to get that job done. And that's a very comforting place to be because they still trust you to help and to advise and to assist. And you get that impression with them. He, he just has always looked absolutely comfortable with one of the most complex jobs in the sports, pulling together a vast number of people doing a vast number of tasks is a very difficult thing. And uh, you'd go a long way to find anybody with a bad word to say about Dr. Wolfgang Ulrich. Nick Dearman, you've interviewed Dr. Ulrich many times in pit lanes at Le Mans and other places uh, around the world. Uh, observations from your side of things? Oh, it's a joy. Absolute joy. You know, um, as a team principal on a par uh, in uh, responsibility and uh, authority as many of the other Formula 1 team principals I was used to dealing with, um, he was completely opposite. He was approachable, always given an answer. He always had a smile on his face. Um, uh, you know, interestingly, uh, something that wasn't always actually echoed by other members of the works teams in Le Mans, uh, come set for Peugeot and to a lesser extent, and now slightly improved uh, Porsche. Um, so Peugeot in the early the years, day, in fairness. Peugeot in the early years, in yeah, fairness. Yeah, they, they were they just getting better when they left. Yes. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it really, really... And, and the other thing was also, he, he never tried to be clever. You often get people who try to be clever uh, in answering questions. He just gave, gave you a straight answer. He gave you, you know, and he would, he would, he would give you the information he wanted if he could, and he'd give you a lovely grin if he couldn't. And, he, and, he, and he, you know, one of the great things of being on radio is you got, you know, he could, he could give you the kind of facial expressions he couldn't do on TV, which would say exactly what he meant and what he was thinking, though he couldn't say it. Uh, a worthy winner, then, and an overwhelming winner of a non-driver. Uh, of the year. Still to come, young driver, driver of the year, and of course the I Respect uh, Listener Award. All the voting for those uh, closed yesterday, Tuesday, uh, and uh, we've had our auditors running through them to make sure that there's no funny business uh, been going on. You're listening to a special midweek motorsport where we are looking at our award show for 2000. And 16 up in London is Tim Gray. Where would you like us to go before the next golden envelope is opened? Should you be allowed to win a race <laughs> if you don't cross the finish line and if when the if it being a timed race, when the clock runs out, your car is lying on its roof with you not in it? This this is not a precedent that's been set. Maybe on its roof. I I have seen people uh, win races with their car on a roof and they're not in it. But those were radio control car races. I've seen a car <laughs> cross I've the finish race. line of a race Sorry. on its roof yes. with the driver still in it. Um, yes. In NASCAR, I can't remember where it was. Was it Daytona or Talladega? It was Daytona. It was Daytona. Uh, I was at Snetterton. Um, when Alan McNish and David Brabham were on the front row for an F3 race and both had horrible starts and ended up with the back. And Paul Stewart won that race. And the race that he was credited in the lead, he went backwards across the line and caused a red flag. I can remember one at Donington Park where the winning car uh, actually was sitting on the run down to the Craner Curves, uh, fully on fire, uh, and won the race. <laughs> oh, that's impressive. Upside down and on fire would take the, if, the full In fairness, it was a TVR, so actually nobody ah. really noticed anything unusual. So. <laughs> oh, there's another TVR. Uh, uh, this is, is a story of, of Lawrence Van Tour, who 
This, in fairness, before we even have a, I mean, Lawrence made a tiny, tiny error. He'd just been passed by uh, Earl Bamba. Uh, yes. The Porsche went past the Audi into the uber quick right hander through the start finish line at uh, at Macau, and in he, he was just moving around behind him, trying to see through the corner to see what was going on, and clipped the inside, the right hand side. That, that took the steering out of the Audi. Then he went into the wall on the other side on the exit. It's super quick, scary-looking accident. And went a very long way on his roof. By the way, structural integrity of the Audi R8. Absolutely in, brilliantly uh, observed because he could open the door and roll himself roll himself out. But this, Graham, was a race that didn't cover itself in any kind of glory because I think in two races for what was termed the FIA GT World Cup, um, two, were they half-hour races or 40-minute races? We had, in total, six green flag laps. Of which only one was in the, the final. the honest answer. Sorry, mm. sorry, Tim? Of which only one lap was in that final race. Correct. Uh, one was yeah, the I qualifying race, wasn't it? Yeah. I think they need to go away... Back to the FIA, have a think about what they've done and not do it again. Honestly, it's it's a nonsense. I mean, it, it's a nonsense. It's a predictable outcome. We had a similar thing last year, if I remember rightly, uh, where uh, an amateur driver knocked out uh, four or five cars from, frankly, what's a depleted field nowadays for the Macau race. And I'm sorry, but, you know, this is an event that really should have me gripped and because of the nature of the race, basically you've got four or five incredibly quick guys at the front of the field on a circuit that is beyond challenging for cars which are frankly too quick for that track. And it's always going to end like that. It's always going to end like that. I don't. I genuinely don't see the point. I really don't. There are uh, dozens of tracks far more appropriate for uh, a, a race like that we you know we're going to one of them in february john um which is bathurst just as challenging yes. just as potentially dangerous um I, I don't know what's the difference between bathurst and, and macau half of it's got a bit more runoff area but not much more graham so you know it's like running f1 at at, at monaco or singapore it, yeah or... yeah yeah but it's a bit it's you know i'm sorry the Macau thing it's it's an exciting circuit john but there's parts of it that's like, you know you can't overtake you can't overtake and you know yes we got an overtaking maneuver which is where Lawrence was trying to find the, find the way back and that caused it but it's how many times have we seen this in the gt race in recent years where you know it's been stopped early it's been red flagged and you know people could say that is part of it they could say that you know it's graham moaning his shed again do what you like i just don't enjoy it i don't enjoy that as a spectacle i don't enjoy the spectacle of seeing you know cars smashed to smithereens into the barriers which happened at least four times over the weekend by the way um and i certainly don't uh, you know enjoy seeing accidents where someone's going to get hurt like that yes it's a challenge yes it's the ultimate challenge you know uh, win or crash but for me that's not what an fia world cup should be about El Bamba crossed the finish line first but was never going to win regardless of what happened because he'd already uh, picked up a five second time penalty that's for true. hitting Mauro engel uh, so he finished fourth in the end uh, behind Engel and Adli Fong and, of course, uh, 
Bradshaw, who was classified the winner on countback because he had been leading at the end of the previous lap. I have, and I know you would be shocked to hear this, actually done some research on this. Um, you haven't read the rules, have you? I, I did, in fact, read rules. Yeah, I, I know. Um, because in many competition, uh, motorsport competitions, if you cause a red flag, let's say, in qualifying, you get your fastest lap taken away. And that's to stop you from profiting and doing a Schumacher, if you will, and parking the car, or indeed uh, Rosberg, as he did at Monaco as well, um, and, uh, and parking the car once you think you've got yourself on pole position, in a dangerous position, or brushing against the side of the barriers, etc. Now, that does exist at the steward's discretion in racing as well, in most events. So they could have taken the win from Van Tour. I I am supposing that what they thought, and I think this is reasonable. Have you seen it, Nick? No. Okay. Um, I'm I'm assuming that what they thought was it wasn't deliberate, and it certainly wasn't deliberate by Laurent Van Tour. It was a very nasty accident, accident being the operative word. But surely anyone who causes a red flag should not then be allowed to win the race, accidental or not. Well, go back what a lap, would, and you can do. What What would you What would you have said if the red flag had come out because there'd been contact between two cars, and Van Tua had been pushed into the wall? I think I would have actually inserted something in the regulations that said, at the steward's discretion, a car that causes that is the cause of a red flag will be adjudged a time penalty. That's what you should do. Well, mm. that is there. That is there. In which case, they should have adjudged it like that. It was his. It, it was his accident. It was nobody else's fault. Uh, you know. I, I. I. You know. Like and respect Lawrence Fanter, but he shouldn't have won that race. Wasn't the only controversy in Macau. <laughs> <laughs> Where, where are Go we on. at? Is this, this is motor racing or politics? Uh, <laughs> should we talk about the uh, non-existent TCR race? Is Oh, they didn't happen, did they not? Not oh, according to the right? organisers, no. Oh, this was, was this because of the um, damp track? No, nothing to do with the weather. Uh, right. The uh, Macau Gear race, which is the race for touring cars... Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, was running under TCR regs this year? Except it wasn't. Right. It was oh, running uh, with regulations which allowed TCR cars to take part, mm-hmm. uh, but also allowed uh, cars from the Chinese Touring Car Championship uh, to take part. The Chinese Touring Car uh, Championship runs to very similar regulations to the British Touring Car Championship, but with uh, certain waivers. Um, right. So TCR were very unhappy that all these interlopers were allowed into their season finale. Mm-hmm. Uh, Macau said, you can call us your season finale if you want, but it isn't. This is our touring car race. We allow who we want into it. Uh, the people doing the TV graphics were told not to reference the fact that this was part of a championship and certainly not to display any graphics which reference championship points. 
No way. John, John. Yes. John, this sounds all a little Sebring 2012. I was it? going to say we've been here before in sports car racing, and that was ugly as well. That sounds like a really well organised and very happy environment. Hmm. It's not good, is it? Uh, Brilliant. Marcelo Lotti, who is the uh, man behind the TCR International Series, said. We think we can have an opportunity to be here next season with TCR cars, but it could be that it's not a round of any championship. Uh, I don't want to call it a World Cup. It's only world. We think universe is better. Right. right. So uh, everyone look forward to the TCR Universe Cup. Can I, uh, can I be slightly cynical and say, was this an argument over money by any chance? I don't think it was. Really? It was I think just it's just about who's in charge. Ah, right. So if it's not money, it must be power. Yes. In motorsport. Okay. No. All right. I'll I'll buy that for a dollar. Less controversial was the Formula Three race. Uh, well, I was going to ask you about that because you heard what Graham was saying about the the GT3 race. Um, we've we've had F3 racing at Macau for a very very long time. Ralph Sixty-three Schumacher years as there's been a single seater race. It's been Formula Three for. Um, about half of that before that uh, Formula Junior, Formula Two. Um, Ralph Schumacher made a, a habit of, of winning there, um, and quite often there's been an awful lot of carnage, particularly at the first first corner. Um, they go back there. That the damage bills are are big. World Touring Cars were there for a while and then decided quite a long time and then decided that that wasn't the place that they necessarily. Uh, wanted to be um, and uh, as a single seat aficionado team mm-hmm. um, what's what's your view on, on running at Macau? Everyone should do it in a Formula 3 car but what about <laughs> GTs then as what Graham was well, GTs don't have the history of Macau they've I mean, not been there for that long the first GT race at Macau was in 2008 um, right. so Less than Seven. a decade. Seven. 2007, sorry. Seven. Uh, 2007. Mm-hmm. Even so, a decade. Yeah. Um, so nowhere near the, the 63 years that we've had uh, single-seaters there. And touring cars and bikes have been there for a long time as well. The first touring car race was 1957. The first bike race... Bikes is bonkers there. ...was 1967. Mm. So in fact, GTs are the latecomers, really. They Johnny are. Come late, least. Not, um, not quite true, John. Really? Not quite true. Really? No, they start with the, the first uh, Macau Grand Prix back in the fifties for sports car races. Well, you know that is true. Was that on the same circuit, what? though? Was it? Was it I Macau it that Chris Goodwin's dad won at? Who's doctor? His Ooh. doctor father was racing over other Singapore and Macau. He won some some sports car races. Chris Goodwin, the McLaren tester, who if you have Amazon Prime, you would have seen commenting on the first episode of the Grand Tour at one point. He was actually involved in that. He did. Yes, he was indeed, Chris. Uh, nothing to do with me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. I, I didn't realise that it went all that way back, if I'm honest, Graham. So, so that's a bit no, like... 54. 54 was the first uh, when, uh, Grand, Macau Grand Prix. That's interesting because... It's won by a Triumph TR2. Yes, get in! says the man who has two triumphs in his garage, one with two wheels and one with, sometimes, with four wheels on it, which is really... I've got three at the moment because I'm doing a bit of rust repair on the rear right valance. 
Yes, uh, as you as you have to do with a triumph. Um, every, interesting. Every, every winter, put it up on blocks and do each corner one at a time. It's fine. It's half the fun. The uh, interesting that um, the Monte Carlo Grand Prix was run to sports car regulations as well, and not a dissimilar sort of era as well um, as as what you were talking about. So, um, as far as GT3 cars, then Graham thinks uh, it's not the right place. But Formula 3 is okay. Why is Formula 3 okay if GT3 isn't, Tim? Because if you want to uh, be a Formula 1 driver, you've got to learn how to drive around circuits like uh, Monaco and Uh Singapore. And this is a lot like that. Yes. Well, well, not Singapore, actually. Less less like Singapore. Less like Azerbaijan. Mainly because Singapore is not going to bother in two years' time, according to Bernie. Well, but it won't be Bernie's choice by then, so... Hmm, interesting. Uh, you're listening to... Uh, well, listen, the good news was that Lauren Van Toe literally did walk away from uh, that horrible-looking incident. Um, Earl Bamber's uh, tweet yesterday was, I never want to see this in my rearview mirror again. It must have been... He went a very long way on his roof, Graham, didn't he? I mean, literally he 100 metres What we got was a fantastic view of the, uh, of the flat floor of the Audi, which I've not seen before. Interestingly, that was the thing that Dr Wolfgang Ulrich said when he was sitting next to me in the departure lounge, and I showed him it on uh, on video. Ah, we probably didn't want to show everybody on a flat floor like that. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. This is our uh, awards show, and uh, still to come, we've got Young Driver, Driver, and the I Respect Listener Award. Is it time for another envelope, Tim? It is, although I do briefly need to mention that Antonio Felix Costa won the Formula yeah. 3 race. Uh, what does he have in common with that very first winner in the Triumph? He's the same nationality. Portuguese, Eduardo de Cavallo, the 1954 winner. Mm-hmm. And they're the only two Portuguese drivers to have won the uh, okay. title race in Macau. <laughs> This is the category for young driver of the year. So Nick's going to Surely tell me about I've his, got to win this one. his uh, nominee. Max Verstappen, who is the outstanding young driver. Love him or loathe him of the year. Uh, Marshall Pruitt went for Gustavo Menezes. Yeah, uh, and now we're champion, of course. You uh, went for another champion, uh, John. Jamie Chadwick, yeah. British GT4 uh, champion. And is Graham back to tell us who he picked? He's not. Matteo Tuscher was his pick. Okay. Um, the first and, and, and effectively uh, only, uh, in fact, the only ever uh, teenager to win an FIA WEC race. Yeah. Still only 17, is he, or 18 now? Uh, I think he's 18 now, and the winner is. The winner of Young Driver of the Year. Is Max Verstappen. Yo! Mm. Still shouldn't be in Formula One, <laughs> I'm afraid. Um, uh, in six minutes' time, yes. we spent six rather a long time uh, okay. on that last uh, subject uh, of Macau, and before that, uh, talk about uh, Dr. Wolfgang Ulrich. Uh, we will unveil our next winner. Uh, and we have a very special guest to unveil that because that is the I Respect Listener Award. This will be the next one we reveal okay. uh, in a few uh, minutes' time. 
The news that no one is talking about. The stories that aren't reported anywhere else. And for valid editorial reasons. Pointless press release of the week on Midweek Motorsport. And I'm expecting a big cheer from Nick Damon. Yay! Uh, this week's pointless press release of the week uh, was pointless to the extent that I started frothing at the mouth uh, after just three words or four words of the headline. Really? Yes, that's, that's, that's impressive. Excellent. Was it was it rabies found in, in uh, Charlton? No. <laughs> very good. That's very good. Very funny. Uh, right. Come on. Jimmy Johnson makes history. Makes history. Does he? Yes. Yes. No, he doesn't. Uh, Richard Petty made history when he won his seventh NASCAR title. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dale Earnhardt uh, equaled history when he did it. Uh, mm-hmm. Jimmy Johnson has only just done the same. He's joined the Magnificent Seven Club, has he not? He has. Yeah, but uh, it's not wishing to have a semantics argument, but we're all making history every day. Yes, that is very true. But he, some did, of it is, he didn't make possibly history, more memorable than others. He didn't make history yeah. by doing something unique. He made history by doing something that uh, two other people have done uh, some years ago. His personal history, though. His personal history. Uh, his personal history also has now taken him to 80 career victories. Which is, is how far up the old time? In, in. Yeah, good question. I don't know because he got thirty million races a, a year, but they don't win very many of them. I just wondered what what a good win ratio is. Well, Richard Petty had two hundred in his career. Uh, David Pearson one hundred and five. Jeff Gordon eighty six. It's like think about it, they do what four? They, how many races do they do a year? Thirty five. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so they do like one and a half F1 season. So, but no one wins 15 races a year, do they? No. Um, Richard Petty has 200 wins. David Pearson, 105. Then it's Jeff Gordon, 93. Bobby Allenson, 84. Daryl Waltrip, 84. Kiel Yarbrough, 83. And Jimmy Johnson on 80. So, how many starts has Jimmy Johnson got? Quite a few. But all of, all of, obviously, all of Jimmy's is what's termed in the modern era, 1972 to present, uh, which is the same as Jeff Gordon. So he's actually still, he's still 13 behind Jeff Gordon. Yes. Next no. best. Yes, 93. Oh, Gordon, no, Gordon. no Jordan, Gordon's on 86, isn't he? No, Jeff Gordon's on 93. 93, is he? I've, I've got some missing from my list. Now, if I look down the next... Next active, next active driver, driver Tony will be Stewart. Tony Stewart on 49. Yes. And then Tony Kyle Busch. Yeah. And Tony Stewart year. will no longer be an active driver. Mm-hmm. True enough. Now, listen, but but let's not play this down because this is an extraordinary achievement. Um, the We've talked about this on this programme before. The partnership between Jimmy Johnson and his team and particularly... His crew chief has been extraordinary down through the years. And once again, we've seen this year, Jimmy doing what Jimmy does best and being there at the end. And that's exactly what he did again to win this championship. And he he's won the championship in the sort of chase era. 
um, from 2004 to present. That's 74 of his 80 wins. Um, and it's been about three or four different ways of de- de- defining a champion in, in that time, hasn't it, Tim? So he's actually got a pretty consistent record. Yes, and he's the um And Chad Knauss is his, his partner in crime, by the way. Yeah, Chad Knauss has won all, uh, all seven uh, of those as a crew chief. Uh, that's not a record. Uh, there is a... Really? Uh, no, Dale Inman won eight uh, titles as a crew chief. Wow. And as an owner, Rick Hendricks won 12. Um, wow. Seven with uh, Jimmy Johnson, but also uh, four with Jeff Gordon and one with Terry Labonte. Mm. Um, it, it has to be celebrated. I agree what you're saying in terms of being strictly true. Did he make history or did he not? Um, but the thing about Jimmy is he's not finished, is he? Oh, no. Um, he's still younger than Richard Petty was when he won his seventh. He's still younger than Dale Earnhardt uh, was when he won his seventh. Um, there's no reason why Jimmy Johnson, if he wins next year and the year after, and the year after that, which are eminently possible, uh, could be a ten-time NASCAR champion. He's 41 at yes. the moment. What a youthful man he is. <laughs> Uh, and let's not remember, he won one, two, three, four, five in a row, didn't he? Twenty-two or six or seven or eight or nine and ten. Yeah, five in a row. Um, amazing. And he's won the All Star race uh, four times as well. Um, well, well going, done. Going to into him. the race, which was at Homestead uh, mm. Miami Speedway, uh, there were four drivers who could have won the title. Uh, the others were Joey Logano, Kyle Busch and Carl Edwards. And by the way, uh, Nick, the answer to your question is he has run in the Sprint Cup series, or at least the top level, whatever it's being called, uh, over 16 years, 543 races. Wow. <laughs> and out of that, here's the stats. This, this, is, the, this is the stat that's really going to get you. 80 wins we've talked about. That's impressive. But in 543 races, 330 of those he's finished in the top 10. That is impressive. That is impressive. We were just looking at the Audi um, Audi Sport stats at the weekend. And Martin Pass, who's, by the way, one of the nine people who's been there for 18 uh, glorious years. And Graham Goodwin is, is back with us. And now we've drained the water from his system. And, and he should sound uh, a little less Dalek-y when he speaks. Um, a win ratio for Audi Sport in their um, endurance racing career at the very top level, Graham, of mo- of well more than fifty percent. Uh, yeah, and always had uh, you know reasonable uh, level of competition, never more so than the WEC era. And this was their forty-first and obviously last uh, last race. And you know that 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 win ratio carried on into and through that uh, that era john mm. and um yeah um there were times when there's a, there's a there's a value colleague of mine used to say oh audi 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 to which the answer is well yeah but someone's got to come out and beat them haven't they and yes. if they're not able to do that then i'm terribly sorry but is that is that a, a win worth taking or is yeah. that a, a, a kind of result worth taking quick word by the way for the likes of martin pass mm-hmm. there aren't really the likes of martin pass around what a great servant he's been to that brand um you know a big part of, of actually defining how open they've been 
him and the team. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll see Martin back in the press rooms, but uh, what a fine fella. It's a, it's a dreadful, dreadful shame that uh, he's had the, the, the terrible handicap of supporting Aston Villa through that entire time. I did write that on his Facebook page, funny, funny enough. That's the bit I'm going to miss as much as anything else, just being able to... Uh, it gives me solace that I'm not the only one in the press room who's got a terrible football team. Uh, it is the award show tonight, and Tim, from uh, the, this, uh, this is an award that we've really got nothing to do with because this is the I Respect Listener Award. Explain how we've come to these four, uh, four individuals that uh, our listeners have been voting for for the last week. Or the so. four nominees in this category were nominated by our listeners. Uh, and then voted for by our listeners once we'd picked the shortlist of four from those so it was the top it was the top four that top four it was a completely open voting procedure and the top four that came in have have went forward into a second round if you will you've been voting on that for over a week now we did spot some voting irregularities in this category really yes um in, w- in what respect voting irregularities? Someone might have been uh, voting for the same person uh, more than 100 times in the space of a minute. How did they do that? Uh, on several occasions. Ooh. Right. Okay. Very so we've made sure that that did not impact the outcome of the other votes. That's what the our auditors are there for. Exactly. That's that's. And still none of his nominations. I know. He was there <laughs> up all night. He's got repetitive strain in, uh, injury on his clicky yeah, I got, finger Unfortunately, now. I got distracted. That's why I got that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. To open the envelope and reveal the uh, winner of the I Respect Listener Award, a very special guest... Uh, is joining us so I'd like to say good evening to Johnny Palmer good evening everybody I, I, I've i been busting from Birmingham especially for this moment on the show uh, tw- tw- 20 quid in diesel and against his pasty that's his fee hey I'm sold <laughs> and absolutely no cost to the programme whatsoever our very special when we say no expense has been spared actually no expense has been spent no, on getting it was either on... me or the next door neighbour <laughs> Just some random bloke who's walking down the street putting in the free paper. Correct. <laughs> Johnny, yes. over to you for our... Well, actually, let's, jo- Johnny's let's had a homemade first. sausage roll, which is his payment. Oh, okay, well, well, no, that's very good. Uh, the nominees were, first of all, Tim... The nominees were Shane Van Gisbergen. Yep. Um, has raced just about everything this year and done it all with a plum. James Hinchcliffe. Uh, Dancing with the Stars finalist... <laughs> <laughs> Rio Hirakawa who has also raced just about everything with Wales this year and done it with a plum and not danced on television as far as I'm aware no indeed and Frederick Sose an inspirational story par excellence and his story is by no means over having just announced a driving school um, I think I'm right in saying Graham at Le Mans isn't it I think amongst other places at Le Mans and watch this space for more. Okay. I have uh, 
just handed the envelope to Johnny and we've uh, realised we have a little problem here in that oh. because he only has two hands, uh, he's got the envelope in one and the microphone in the other and he can can't open the envelope. So I'm now it's going fine. To no, 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 I can manage it. So I have, I have the gold sparkly envelope in my hands right the now. gold sparkly one? Yeah. Right. No expense spared on the envelope at the very least. Mm -hmm. And Excellent. it's a piece of paper that's been folded several times to reveal... It's Frederick Sose! The I Respect Spirit uh, of the Year Award. Uh, the Listener Award is Frederick Sose. Graham, uh, a story at Le Mans that was inspirational for so many people. And as we've said, that story is by no means over. Uh, no, there is a chapter yet to be written, I believe, in this story, and we'll, we'll keep listeners appraised with that as things begin to emerge as to what may or may not happen there. But uh, Fred, so say, well, when the ACO first announced, John, the, the Garage 56 plan for 2016, many people were kind of scratching their heads and saying, what's so, sens uh, what's so special about that? And I'll put my head above the parapet and say, I wrinkled my nose a little bit to start with and but, thought, you know, what is what is this about? OK, but what it's about is diversity what it's about is difference what it's about is human challenge. endeavor absolutely and more than that uh, what what emerged from this is the extraordinary industry effort that came together with a huge range of organizations uh, helping to provide adapt run uh, you know, this this Morgan chassis, basically LMP2 car with uh, an extraordinary range of of technology, some pretty high tech, some pretty mechanically uh, mechanical technology to allow uh, Fred Sose. And if you don't know Fred's story, uh, afflicted by a, just an awful, effectively flesh eating mm. virus, which meant that he had the extremities of all four limbs. Uh, and not just the extremities, much of all four limbs amputated to save his life. Um, uh, it was uh, just a brilliant, brilliant story, uh, Graham. Sorry, your microphone again, I'm afraid, going off a, a little bit. Nick, you um, were down in the pit lane, both at uh, Silverstone and at Le Mans, to, to see this Herculean effort, um, which, I mean, was extraordinary to watch him literally being... Uh, lured into the car and brave as well brave not just from fred to put himself out there but also for the the aco to have a look at this and and see you know what could be done and what uh, could be overcome in terms of the situation with with frederick saucer yeah, I mean, it was a truly wondrous thing to behold how he was, how the car was converted in about three or four minutes from standard spec. It out would get Christoph Tonso and and in would get Fred, and it was, and by that, and he was literally winched down from a what actually looked like quite a Heath Robinson effect with a large scaffolding pole, but it actually was very carefully worked out, and the controls themselves were were, were very very clever. I mean, he had a, he has very limited limb movement, so it was you know the, the pressure sent pads on his uh, legs which were operating the uh, throttle on the brake he had a, a, a kind of a, a, a sort of a, a wand as such he was sticking to the steering with the steering tiller as it was the fact they could get out there drive and drive competitive enough and not and, and not be a danger to himself or anyone else is, is, is a wonderful um, element of the inclusiveness I think of motor racing and I think motor racing um, does inclusive it, it hides its inclusive inclusivity mm. bushel 
uh, rather than more than it should do. Um, you know, people will try and make things possible for people. So you, you need someone to be a spearhead. You know, obviously we had uh, Lord Drayson who managed to, who, who pushed for the, the partially sighted and move that forward. Now, Fred with his his disabilities, um, but it was it was really great to see, and and, and the whole yes. panic was completely behind the concept, which I think is so good. Um, a, a very worthy winner of the mm, Irish Beck Listener Awards, uh, Tim Greer. Yes. Uh, we are coming rapidly towards the we are. Our end final, of the program. Our final award uh, will be Beckons. made in a few minutes' time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, Driver of the Year. But mm-hmm. uh, first, uh, at the weekend, not only did we say goodbye to Audi with an Audi victory, uh, we also said goodbye to Volkswagen with a Volkswagen victory. Uh, that would be the WRC. It would indeed. And Andreas Mickelson. Sorry. Andreas Mickelson. Yes, please get it uh, right. Was uh, the winner um, after uh, issues from uh, his teammate uh, Sebastian Ogier. Excellent. Um, who spun on Special Stage 20. And uh, the Hyundai of Hayden Patton, who uh, got a puncture. Uh, when he hit a bank and uh, dropped down to fifth behind the other two Hyundais. He's got I actually have a genuine bladded. rally question. Yes, go on. Has Sebastian Ogier got a drive for next year yet? No. Nor indeed does Andreas Mikkelsen. And uh, there's uh, quite a funny moment uh, when he was interviewed in his car at the end of the stage <laughs> because written on the roof of the inside of the car was, uh, uh, has anyone got a job for next year? Yeah, basically driver for hire, call me now. It was very good. Very good indeed. Um, Time for our final category. Yes. Now, this is... is this? I suppose in some ways that the Listener Award is the one that we're sort of least involved with. So from my point of view, I always think the, the Listener Award's um, most important. But this is for Driver of the Year, so you've left this one till last, so you must think this one's the big one. Um, let's go through the nominations very quickly. Nick? Uh, well, I didn't nominate a driver. I refused to nominate a driver. So I nominated a rider instead, which is Mark Marquez, for a fantastic season of controlled aggression to win the World Championship and then throw caution to the wind, falling off twice. <laughs> when it was less than controlled. Absolutely. Graham? Uh, mine was uh, an emergent talent and uh, now winner of the European Le Mans Series. Two race wins in the FIWC for young uh, uh, Harry Tignall. And Marshall Pruitt Marshall's went for Dane Cameron, another yes, young driver. And I went for someone at the opposite end of their career. A little bit of again, I'm, I'm, I have to say, some of my quite a few of my nominations this year were sort of lifetime achievements as well. But I thought Johnny had a pretty uh, decent season, and we're talking, of course, about GMO Johnny Morlam. Uh, how did the voting go here? Uh, the big, big dr- the driver in fourth place got 10.3% of Ooh. the vote. Right. Third place, 12.4% of the vote. Right. Uh, second place, 26.4% of the vote. And the winner had 50.9% of the vote. And the winner is... Uh, the winner of the 2016 Midweek Motorsport Award for Driver of the Year. Someone who's won awards in this uh, award ceremony in the past. It's Harry Tinknell. Harry Tinknell. 
I think Ford did very, very well in uh, uh, getting behind these awards this year. I'm pretty certain that Tim will tell us that the voting was up in all categories uh, this year. Not in all categories, no. Uh, but it was uh, up uh, generally, yes. All right. Well, surely people, surely we get the same number of votes for each category. Oh no! No, not don't not assume everybody. Not everyone votes in every voted category. Voted in every category, even though it was on the same form. Yes, and that, that's funny enough. Somebody told me that. Said, right. do I have to vote for everyone? And I said, no. You just tick the ones you need. If if so. if there's if you can't decide. Uh, who your favourite young driver or what your favourite car was you don't have to vote in that category and a lot of people um, didn't I mean looking at the entries on the computer here there's a random one here who voted for driver young driver but didn't vote for non-driver they voted for car but didn't vote for team they voted for race and didn't uh, didn't vote in the listener award either Con- congratulations to Harry Tinknell and he joins uh, these winners Tim in our other categories, as announced earlier on tonight. Non-Driver of the Year, Dr Wolfgang Ulrich. Young Driver of the Year, Max Verstappen. Car of the Year, the Ford GT. Team of the Year, Toyota. Race of the Year, the Indianapolis 500. And the Iris Bank Listener Award, Frederick Sose. And that was the... Uh, Midweek Motorsport Awards Show for 2016. My thanks to all of our guests and to our auditors for pulling that together, but uh, principally, of course, to your good selves. I used to say that again. And to uh, everyone who uh, voted uh, this evening. Those of you who didn't, you can't complain if the person you might have voted for or your favourite didn't get the nod. And we'll be back doing that again at the same time next year. That's all for this evening, however. Don't forget that uh, special uh, internet screening of the 2016 Le Mans movie. Go to my ACO and uh, set yourself an account up for that. Tomorrow evening, uh, that is Central European time. All of the details on the My ACO part of their website. Tim Gray was our executive producer, responsible adult Eve Hewitt, uh, and a fabulous array uh, of uh, food this evening for all uh, of the uh, everyone who came to the awards ceremony for 2016. We're back to something approaching normal next week. Our special guest presenter uh, was awards presenter was Johnny Palmer, and my thanks to Graham Goodwin and Nick Damon. I'm John Hindoff, and there's no time to explain. The llama has dropped off because it didn't get an award. This program is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.